She's in the bathroom. Well, it was Lisa's birthday. Lisa's birthday was a couple days ago. Actually, that right there. So, do I just tap it or is it unrecorded? So, um, yeah. So, who else had a birthday in September that I'm missing here? Lily, uh, that's right. My daughter was at that party. So, thank you, Jesus, for all these September babies. Dan Pewonka, don't you try to hide? You got one, bro. Reagan. Reagan's got one coming up. Come on, let's let's hear it for all these birthday people. You have one coming up? Linda Lindsay. So let's just all right, let's just sing. Well, there's too many not to sing, alright? So let's do this. This is gonna be on the podcast. Brian Hill actually is creating a podcast for the King's people, and we're gonna sing to all you precious saints who are birthday people. Um, and there's my precious wife. It's her birthday this month too. Hers yes. was on the twelfth. So let's sing happy birthday to all the September babies, all right? Ready? I'm going to try to leave this. It's, it's pretty brutal. I'm going to need some support here. Happy birthday to you. Jesus. I also want to um, pray for the Lamicas who just recently had a baby, a baby girl, Rosemary, and they're in, you know, the transition of having another child. Um, I think that's, what is that, four now? Or is that five for them? That's four that are under the age of five or under the age of six. And so we're going to pray for them. Jesus is king, and they've been dealing with a little bit of complications with rosemary feeding. So I just want to pray specifically for that, but also for the transition in general. So, Father, we thank you for the Lamicas and just how much they mean to you and to us. And we just declare blessing over them. We thank you so much for the new life uh, that you brought forth in rosemary. And we just declare your smile over their family. Give them grace for this transition. We pray specifically for Rosemary in her feeding. Lord, that, that the complications would dissipate. That you would give her grace to feed and be nourished and be strong and healthy in the Lord. God, we pray your blessing on their precious family as they are transitioning into an additional child. Lord, in, in, you know uh, some of the challenges that come with that. But Lord, children are a blessing from you, O oh God. A heritage from you. And so we declare that blessing over them. And we thank you for them, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. So now, if you are a child between the ages of four and six and you would like to be released to the nursery, please feel free to take your child. Um, Am I missing anything else? I have a feeling I'm missing something. I'm good. Um, All right, so... Yes. So I, I... when Bob asked me to speak, um, you know, I, 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 a lot of times I wrestle with what I'm supposed to share, and, and, but I feel like the Lord really gave me something clearly um, shortly after Bob asked me to speak. And, um, but I want to, before I get into the, the, the heart of the message, I want to just share a quick testimony because I felt like I was supposed to do this. Um, so we, my family and I, and several folks from our work went down to Pensacola, Florida, um, last week, and we were uh, part of the, the reunion from our, our Bible school. 
And then after that, there was a conference that was put on by CFAN, Christ for All Nations. And so we stayed for that and also just um, had a little bit of a family vacation, which was a real blessing. Um, but one of the things that, I mean, there were many, many amazing things that took place during our time there. But one of the things that happened uh, during the meeting, actually this wasn't even during a meeting. This was uh, in between meetings. I was, I was somewhere and a leader, I was with a buddy of mine who's been a 20-year missionary in a third world nation who, you know, has been laying down his life, he and his family for years. Uh, they're raising, you know, four kids on the mission field and really, plow- actually three, um, and just, just really over the years have been very faithful to the call of God on their lives. And, and um, so I was with my friend and another leader who um, we were spending a little bit of time together. And when the leader was leaving, he turned around and he addressed my friend and said this. He said, bro, you're one of my heroes because you're on the front lines raising your family. And... You know, I thought about that. I thought, wow, that's powerful because this guy has really been out there doing it. But what the Lord did to me in that moment was absolutely nothing. Like my heart was just okay with that. And the reason I'm saying that is, is because of this. Because a few years back, if I would have heard him say that, I would have left that place in a tailspin. Measuring my life by his life. Saying, wow, this dude's been 20 years on the mission field. What have I done? And he said to him, you're one of my heroes. And afterwards, I mean, my heart was unmoved by it. I was so grateful that this guy was being encouraged by a leader. And afterwards, I was thinking about what this guy had said to him. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Michael, you're my hero. And see, that's hard for some of us to receive. See, a lot of us, there are multiple heroes in this room, friends. And a lot of us, you know, we measure ourselves by what some so, what, what, what Christian so and so is doing. But see, that's not how God measures you. He measures you by what you're doing and by what He's made you, by who you are. So, you know, maybe you're a, 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 a homeschool mom or, or maybe you're a, a wife or maybe you're, you know, a single person who disciples young people or maybe you're a, a contractor or a business owner or a nurse or, you know, maybe you're a child who just supports in your family, you know, but you're faithful where you are with what God has given you. I want, to, I want you to look in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, this isn't my message, okay? This is the pre-message. But I really feel like I'm supposed to share this because God's, God's trying to get through to us the value that He placed on us. Now listen to what this says in Hebrews 11, okay? This is in verse 3. By faith, this is uh, Hebrews 11, 3. We understand that, well actually let's go down to verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended. As a righteous, I'm sorry, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life 
so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Alright? And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. By faith, Noah, when warned, when, when warned about the things that were not yet seen but were coming, uh, in holy fear, he built an ark. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So, did any of those three individuals that by faith were in the hall of faith, did any of them... Uh, um, you know, go to the mission field and preach the gospel to multitudes. Did they? No. But by faith, one of them offered a sacrifice to God that was pleasing. One of them was just his life was pleasing to the Lord and then he was not. And the, the third one built a boat in obedience to God for the purpose of God. So I don't care what your function in the body is, if you're being faithful and in secret, you're spending time with Him and you're allowing God to build you and you're, you're allowing Him to use you to build others, friend, be encouraged. You are a hero. I think sometimes we make, we make idols out of ministers and out of people in the body. And it's, it's, it's high time we realize that God sees us the way He sees us. And He sees us with value and respect. And He sees us with honor and with affection. And He, and he wants us to start seeing ourselves and one another that way. You know, I got up here and I said, you know, I feel like the Spirit of God is saying His heart burns for you. And I, I felt resistance in this room. I feel like some of us don't believe that. We don't believe that His heart longs for us. Longs for you. But i got good news for you. Whether you believe it or not, He's coming like a freight train until you do. Because He is very persistent. And His love will overpower your doubt and your shame and whatever else it is that keeps you from realizing how amazing He is and how awesome His heart is for you. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. So let's pray. And we'll get into this Word. Jesus, You are amazing. We thank You for Your incredible heart. Thank You for this time of worship. God, how refreshing. How encouraging. Father, thank You. Holy Spirit, we absolutely welcome You in this place to have Your way. Burn in us with Your holy fire. You're an all-consuming fire, God. So take up a residence in us and burn brightly. God, give us the courage it takes to follow You and to become like You. Thank You, Jesus. Say this with me. Lord, I want to be like You. So come. Settle on my heart. Fill me with Your Spirit and power to see You and become like you. In Jesus' name. So, one of the things I'm trying, I want to communicate today is, is the purpose of God in His intense desire to dwell in His people. Okay? He wants to have intimate fellowship 
with humanity. And out of that fellowship, he wants to accomplish his purposes, both in his church and in the world. And so there's a passage in James 4, um, verse 5. And the context, James is actually rebuking people who are away from the Lord. I don't see us that way. Although if that applies to you and you're playing games with God and you're not walking with Him, then may it apply. But there's a passage there that I want to I want to speak because whether we're away from the Lord or whether we're in the Lord and He's calling us deeper, the, the principle still applies. Okay? And this is the verse. This is the Amplified. James 4, 5. It says, Do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that says... The Spirit whom He has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and He yearns for the Spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. The Spirit of God jealously longs to dwell in His people. It says in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was brooding, hovering, moving over the surface of the waters. And I believe when He was brooding, He was meditating on you and me, His people. Longing and yearning for the day when we would be alive, when we would confess our faith in Christ, when our lives would be redeemed, And we, with a clean conscience, can be His temple and His dwelling place again. Because what happened shortly after this, as God's purpose was to fill Adam and Eve with His Spirit, and man fell away, God had to begin a progressive uh, movement, if you will. Because there was, there was, there was the way that the Scriptures unveil how the Holy Spirit was revealed to man, And then He dwelled with man. And then He came inside of man. Right? And I believe when He was hovering over the surface, His heart was longing, waiting. You know, when Amy opened up the the prayer at the beginning, I was like, she's already starting to preach this message. She said, you know, when we worship, He longs for us to engage His heart. I'm telling you guys, we are His desire. So there's a progressive revelation of God through Scripture toward man, okay? And I believe that this revelation communicates God's desire for intimacy with humanity and for His purpose to be fulfilled in and through us. All right? When Adam and Eve were there, you know, them and then with um, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that when when God would, would reveal Himself, He would reveal Himself to them, right? He would come and He would speak to them. And then it moved from there to the time of Moses and then of course David when the tabernacle and, and then the, uh, the temple were built. God would come during the tabernacle time and He would be a cloud by day and a fire by night. But He was with man. And God's progressive revelation took a step closer. Right? And then, when Christ came, you know, when Jesus was crucified, 
That was so needed. But let me tell you why it was needed. Because God's holy temple needed to be cleansed. You see, the Spirit of God was longing for that to take place. You know what the crowning glory of the new covenant is? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Christ in you. The hope of eternal glory. And so the final step of that progressive revelation took place when Jesus died and rose from the dead. And he said, he said, it is finished. But it wasn't necessarily finished all the way because he had to ascend. Right? He said it's finished because the sacrifice was made to cleanse the temple. But the temple wasn't filled yet. Which is why when Mary came to him, she said, don't, he said, don't cling to me because he needed to ascend and then pour out his spirit on his people. And the crowning glory of the new covenant took place in Acts chapter 2 when that glorious Spirit of God was poured out on His people. And then ever since, through generation after generation after generation after generation, God filling His temple, filling His temple. Well, guess what? It's our generation now. It's our time. And you know what, you know what's a, a tragedy? Is that people are still debating in God's house whether this thing's even real. And the other tragedy is that people who do know that it's real don't really explore the depths of it, man. And I'm talking to myself there. We do to a measure. But I feel like God's saying, look guys, come deeper. See, when, when, when the Spirit of God... I'm, I'm going to read this passage. When the Spirit of God took up a residence inside of us, the character of Christ could now be lived out as though Christ Himself was in the earth through His body. Let me ask you a question. If He calls us His body, shouldn't He reside in us? How can we be His body if He's not in us? Listen to this. This is the revelation of God in man. The new covenant. Colossians 1, 25-29. And this is, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, I have become its servant. He's referring to the church. Now, a couple of verses up, he's referring... To its when he he calls himself a servant of the gospel, but right here he's calling himself a servant of the church. He says, "I have become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you, His church, to make God's message fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints." God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. Oh, that we would see the wealth of Christ in us. God help us. God help us. There is no trial. There is no challenge. There is no devil 
that could defeat us if we could see this mystery revealed inside of us and in one another. To the measure that we understand and see Christ in us is to the measure of victory we will walk. Does that make sense? If we don't see Him dwelling in us, we'll live like a pauper. And we'll beg for breakthrough instead of walking in it. I'm not saying there's not a time to contend because we have to contend. Sometimes it's a doggone battle, baby. And that's just plain old gospel. But the reality is, is if we battle from the place of who we are and who He is in us, it's a whole different battleground than we're begging from a, from a place where we don't understand that Christ Himself dwells in me as an individual and in, in us as a corporate body. I'm telling you, there's so much more victory there. And He's saying, come deeper, friends. I'm going to finish this. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with His strength that works powerfully within me. And I'm going to say this on the flip side of what I just said. To the measure that we understand Christ in us is to the measure we will walk in the maturity that Paul is talking about. That he labored and was striving for. Not him, but the grace of God through him. Are you guys tracking? So once this happened, once Christ came in us, the ministry and the character of Christ was now able to reside in His people and move through us to a dark, dark world. So what does all this have to do with us? Well, I'm going to tell you. One, I want to, I want to challenge and encourage us with a couple of things. You know, I talked about heroes in this room, right? Some of the things I might say from here forward might step on some toes. I'm not going to apologize for that. If I say it in the flesh, somebody come up and correct me in private later and I'll, for, I'll repent in front of you all. But I believe that, that we need challenged. You know, when you're challenged to, to, there's two ways God moves, really. He either woos you and you respond, or when He's wooing you, if you're neglecting Him, then He's going to challenge you or chastise you. And trust me, my friends, that is a good thing. Conviction of the Holy Ghost to me, it's one of the sails on this ship that we are, we are sailing upon. Um, that, that we need to put that sail up and let God's conviction just breathe on us sometimes. Because it is a gift from God to get us where we need to go. So if, if things I say step on some toes, I love you. I'm smiling at you. I'm not saying it out of an angry heart. I really, really care about everybody in this place, and I want to see us go deeper. So he wants to have intimate fellowship with us. All right. So I'm going to ch- I'm going to talk about that in a minute. He wants to fill us with himself, so that we can effectively minister him and his kingdom to his church and to others. And I believe we do that well. I do. I, th- I don't think I'm preaching to people. Obviously, I mean, we know each other, 
You know, but I feel like it's important to remind ourselves of some of these things, right? Um, so I want to try to break this down so we have clear direction as individuals and as a corporate body what our mission is as Christians, all right? So first off, um, our calling and mission is to love Jesus, Right? The thing is, especially coming through Bible school, and those of you who were part of FIRE or BRSM or wherever you might have gone to Bible school, you know, one of the biggest questions you get asked continually, what are you going to do? What's your call? And you know, the Lord really, really delivered me. Part of the process of me um, being okay with that leader speaking to that brother was the Lord showed me one day that my call is to simply Love Jesus and become like Him. Once that was real to me, once that was real to me, I was okay with the process. However He's going to get me from glory to glory is fine by me, baby. I'm just going to walk it one step at a time following Jesus. And you know what? If you had told me back in Bible school that I would own my own business as a contractor, I'd have told you you are on crack, buddy. I was like, I'm going to the nations, man. And you know what? Thank God for people who do. Who obey the call of God and who do that. I pray for them and I thank God for those folks. But that wasn't my call at this point. My, my respective call. But the one call that we, none of us can hide from is that every single one of us is called to love Him and become more like Him. And if you're faithful in secret and faithful in public to be doing that, then you are doing a good job. No matter if you're, you know, no matter what you're doing as a vocation or as a, you know, a livelihood, it does not matter. And you know what that is? And that's freedom. That's freedom. Now, it comes with a lot of challenges. You know? To keep a solid prayer life, to keep a solid life studying God's Word, and trying to live this stuff out in, in, in our respective families and then in our corporate church family. It takes work, man. It takes encouragement. It takes the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Thank God for Him. And guess what? He's calling us deeper. God is restoring His glory to His house. It's what he's doing. Amen. It's what he's doing. He jealously longs, man, for that glory to rest on his people. I'm telling you, I feel this, man. You know, we cannot accomplish God's mission without the Holy Spirit. We can't. We could try all we want to accomplish God's purpose in our own strength, and it never will happen. Ever. So we might as well just surrender our lives to the cross and let the Spirit of God raise us from the dead and walk with Him. We might just as well, right? You know, when Bob started teaching on the Ephesians mandate, I don't know about you, but all hell started breaking loose in my life. I feel like I have been beat down in the natural, like, you know, emotionally. I mean, things have happened. Some of the most bizarre things have happened. 
over the course of this, this season of this message. You know, and <laughs> because it's war. Because it's a war to walk this thing out. It's a war to get my flesh to yield, to do what's right in the morning, to go downstairs and seek heaven when I don't feel like getting out of bed. And sometimes I lose that battle to my own regret. But I don't quit. It's a war when you're you know, in the midst of life and maybe you're functioning on little sleep and somebody pushes that people button that we shouldn't, should be dead to, but yet that thing rose from the dead because I didn't get enough sleep, right? <laughs> right on your way to church too, right? Uh, all the moms and dads said. <laughs> but you know what? I felt like when I was praying... For us, for this people, this work, I felt like the Lord said this. You have need of endurance. Isn't that somewhere in the Bible? (laughs) Some versions say you have need to persevere or of perseverance. You know, this battle, it rages, man. And when when we are in the midst of the battle, sometimes we lose sight of the Christ in us. Right? You get weary and you get tired and you get emotionally wrung out because people who you thought cared about you aren't treating you that way sometimes. Both in and outside the house of God. But you know what? There's one thing on planet Earth that will strengthen the human heart more than any other thing. There's one thing that will strengthen the human heart more than anything. And that's love. Doesn't it say love endures all things? If you want endurance, then you need to open your eyes to His love. And you will be strengthened to endure this battle. So what is the Holy Spirit's role in helping us to love God and others. What is His role? Well, according to 1 John 4.16, which says we love because He first loved us, right? According to that verse, our love is a response to His love toward us first, correct? So let me ask you a question. Does His love toward us uh, diminish? He, he absolutely is emphatically, passionately, affectionately, personally in love with you and with me. But often we don't see it. See, let me ask you this. If you don't see His love for you first, what do you think your response might be? See, we love because He first loves us, right? But if we don't see or receive or open our hearts to experience His first love to us, then can we respond the way He intended? I beg to say no. 
And this is why I will preach till my dying day on the love of God. Because people in God's house and outside of God's house need to know that they are loved by Him. And by His people. So I want to ask you this question. If the key to this response is that we actually see His love for us, how often do we spend fixing our attention on that? I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just asking a question that might step on some toes. But that's okay. If we need adjusting, then God come and adjust us. I don't even want to try to make you feel guilty if you're not fixing your attention on Him. I'm trying to put some salt in your mouth to give you an appetite for His glorious, affectionate, passionate love for you. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm praying that God will open our eyes to see it. You know, I think a lot of times we think that the reason that Jesus died on the cross for us is because we were just pathetic sinners who needed a Savior. It has nothing to do with the value that He places on you as a daughter or a son of God who's created in His image. And He didn't just create you in His image because He likes looking at His image. He created us in His image because He wants to fill you with Himself. See, this, this, this love that God has for us, we've got to see, okay? You've got to see that He values you. And you have to, we have to start valuing, valuing ourselves the way He values us. Think about this, because we desensitize the cross until it's just this little story. It's told uh, at Easter. But think about this. Abba Father, our God, sent His only begotten Son. Oh, this verse is so just wrung out, right? Not the way it should be, though. In our mind through meditation. But we hear it, and it just... God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So that every, whoever believes in Him should have everlasting life. He so loved the world. Think about this. When God gave His Son, if you're a parent in this place, you could probably relate. If not, I'll try to bring it down to the level of a, of, a, of a sibling. Or along the level of a sibling. But listen to this. If you're a parent in this place, one, think of one time your child was mistreated by someone. And how that made you feel. I can remember a time when a bully neighbor threw a rock and hit my son in the head. And buddy, when I heard that on the phone from my wife, she said, do you want me to talk to the parents or do you want to? I said, oh, I got this one. (laughs) And I went over there, all up in the flesh, and just let that family have it, man. I did. I stinking chewed that kid out. I put my finger in his face. I didn't touch his face, but boy, I was real close. I I came unglued on him, man. 
dude was, I don't know, five, six years older than my son. My son literally sprinting for the house to try to, try to, you know, cause this dude and his buddy were just chucking rocks and acorns and stuff at my kid. And they hit him in the head with one, a rock. And all I could picture on my way home was my son just got hit in the head with a stinking rock. That could have killed him. You know, we get all, huh? And yet God the Father saw you and me acting like those bullies. But He valued us enough not just to say He loved us, but to hang His Son on the cross to take the punishment that we who offended His law and broke His heart deserve. His Son hung on that cross shedding His blood to demonstrate to us our value. The highest price that could ever be paid for humanity's sin was paid to put the value on your life. Do we sit and look at that when we're alone and let that love wreck us? It's time we go deeper, friends. You know, if we're going to go deeper in love, it's going to come through Him. Through what? Through through peering into what He has done for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 3 that you come like that which you behold. You become like that which you behold. You know? Do I need to get into all the things we do other than Look into that glorious truth of how much He cares about us and loves us. We let so many things distract us. And then when the trial comes, we question His love for us. And rather than running to it and trying to fix our eyes on it, we go numb ourselves to entertainment often. And let me ask you something. How's that working out for you? It doesn't work out well for me when I do that. Because <laughs> I'm including me and you. I'm not just here pointing the finger. My toes have been stepped on all week as I was preparing for this message. Trust me. God has been really, really, really dealing with me. And I am saying, thank you, Jesus. I want more, God. No matter what the cost, I'm going deeper. I mean, where else are we going to go, Peter said. What else is there? <clears throat> Here's the beauty of this thing. Our love for God is not, the way He designed His economy, it's not just meant to be a response. Okay? He actually, when we put our faith in Christ, He actually made it part of our nature to love Him. It's natural. It's natural because it's part of our nature. Listen to this verse, Romans 8, 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption as, or to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God Himself testifies to your spirit that you are a child of God. 
Did you hear what that said? Holy smokes. He is testifying to you. The spirit of the living God is speaking to your spirit that you are his child. Therefore, it's natural to say, Father, Daddy, Abba. That is glorious, man. I heard someone say one time that the reason that Jesus Christ was crucified was because the revelation he brought was that God is our Father. God was his Father and then was our Father. See, because the religious mind does not want to relate to God as Father. You know, it's almost like when God put the spirit of adoption in us, isn't it wild? He hits it from every angle, right? One, we're born again. So we're literally, in our spirit, we are born into the family of God. We are born with a new nature, right? So he hits it from the side that we're actually born again. Then he hits it from the adoption side. Now we're adopted in. Right? He hits it from every angle. But the thing is, it's not just that we're adopted. It's the spirit of adoption. He put the spirit of adoption in you. And the role of the spirit of adoption is to testify to God's people that we are his children. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're my child. You're mine. You are mine. You are my child. And yet, other voices come. And we feel and live like orphans so often. We feel like we gotta make a way for ourselves. We feel like we have to defend ourselves. We feel like we have to, you know, everything for ourselves. And the whole time, the spirit of adoption is saying, but you're mine, my child. You are my child. You're my child. And the beauty of it is, is that he literally submerged us in that spirit and put that spirit in us. In us. I can remember the day to a T that God's Spirit spoke to me that I was His Son. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And prior to that, I could have preached on God being my Father. I could have taught, I could have taught on God being my Father until I was blue in the face. I know many of the Scriptures. But one day I was quiet before Him and He spoke to me. And when he did, friend, I was wrecked. My life has not been the same. Never the same. Now, it's a process. You know, revelation is a process. It's not like I had this experience and now, boom, I always live like a son. You know that that situation I just told you about when I got in that kid's face and chewed him out for hitting my son with a rock? That was after the revelation I had of God's father. It's a process. But let me tell you this. I spend a lot of time fixing my attention 
on God's love for me. And I, I spent a lot of time quiet before Him, allowing the Spirit of God to testify to my spirit that I'm His child. So I'm allowing the process to take place. Excuse me. So, I'm reminding us, this is who we are, this is who God made us. His Spirit longs to dwell in us, right? He yearns to dwell in His people. And He's calling us deeper. Um, Alright. Did I finish that verse? Okay, so yeah, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. Um, so, in essence, I want, I want to hit this because, you know, when the Spirit of God came inside of us, it's not just that we, we're not just, we don't just inherit the things of God, although that's included. According to this passage, we inherit God. I'm going to say that again. We inherit Him. When the Spirit of God came in us, it's God Himself now. Are you tracking with me? Because, man, we say that, we read over it, but we oftentimes don't live like it. So how do we cultivate our love for God? Is there something on my lip? I feel like there's something on my lip. <laughs> okay. Sorry. How do, how, do, how do we cultivate our love for God? Namely the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times, you know, when it Lisa's going, why is he doing that? Why does he keep messing with his lip? I don't know. I, I took a sip of my kombucha and I squeezed lemon in it, which is amazing when you squeeze lemon in it. And I think I actually got one of the pulp from the lemon stuck on my lip. So for all you listening via internet, so sorry about that. Hopefully they'll cut that out of there. So anyway, um, if our mission is to love God, how do we cultivate that? Specifically the Holy Spirit. Because I think... I believe that um, that our relationship with the Spirit of God, in many cases, is neglected. I think I think a lot of times, you know, we pray to God our Father, or we pray in the name of Jesus, and you know, it's not like the Spirit of God is vying for attention. He's the one who exalts the Father and exalts the Son. But there's something about Him that when you take time to recognize Him when you're in prayer or in worship whether alone or corporately, that He absolutely loves. He absolutely loves it. Which is why I was so blessed when Amy asked us to fix our attention on Him at the beginning. Because it's exactly what I was going to say. I think this is on God's heart, is what I'm saying. So one of the ways that we can cultivate our love for God, specifically the Holy Spirit, is to relate to Him. Do you relate to God, the, the Holy Spirit? Do you talk to Him? Listen to this. 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
Paul is saying, he, that's his prayer, that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with you all. And I believe that, um, you know, for, for many Christians, not necessarily in, in this work, but maybe, <laughs> you know, he's, he's overlooked entirely. And if, if, if he's addressed, it's like on rare occasion. You know, there's times, oh, I love this too. There's times when I'm alone with the Lord where I just sit quietly and I just fix my attention on, on the Spirit of God and, and He just settles on me. I mean, I can feel the tangible presence of God come on me. And then all of a sudden, I'll start feeling right here in my spirit a burn. Just a warm burn. And I'm telling you right now, I believe some people in this room are feeling that right now. The Spirit of God jealously longs to dwell in His people. I heard a man of God say this once. And it stuck with me for, I bet you it's been over 15 years. He said... The Spirit of God spoke to him and said this, I've moved through many, but rested on few. I've moved through many, but rested on few. We need to cultivate our relationship with the Spirit of God. Let Him rest on us when we're spending time in the secret place, or even when we're spending time corporately. Those moments where there's a pause and His presence is there, just sit. And just, 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 just let him be him. And just let him take control. Sometimes we have that itch to want to see the next thing or move to the next. It's like, just let him be in our midst. He is God, by the way. So listen, listen to some of these verses, because you know, sometimes it's hard to relate to the Spirit because He's, he's uh, not easy to see in the natural. But you know, He's a person. The Scriptures make that so vividly clear. And He has a personality. Let's look at some of these passages. Now, you guys don't have to go there. I'm going to read through several, but if you want, you can. But I'm going to read through several verses. This is in John 14. And this, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the role and the personality of the Holy Spirit. Because when I'm encouraging you to have fellowship with Him and to cultivate your relationship with Him, I want you to understand that you're not just praying to some ethereal being that's way out there. One, He dwells in you. Two, He rests on you. And three, He has a really distinct personality as one of the Godhead. So in John 14, 25 and 26, it says... These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. That's John 14, 25 and 26. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound on that in a minute, but I'm going to bounce over to John 16, 12 and 15. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but I, you cannot bear them now. But when He... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. 
He will glorify me and He will take of mine, of what is mine, and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that He takes of what is mine and will disclose it to you. So in those two passages, in John 14, 25-26, and in John 16, 12-15, these are some of the characteristics of God the Holy Spirit and His role in our lives. One, He helps you. Two, He teaches you. Three, He reminds you. Four, He speaks what He hears and makes it known to you from the Father. Four, He guides you into all truth. Three, um, six, six, seven, whatever we're on. Seven, He discloses what is to come. That's prophecy. One of the, one of the angles of prophecy. And uh, eight, it says that He hears you. In other words, He's not just there to, to, to make you a robot to just do what He's saying to do. He, he hears you. He relates to you. He's a person. And I'll say it again. He's calling us deeper. And He jealously longs to dwell in the midst of His people. God the Holy Ghost wants to take up a residence more deeply in you and me. And you might say, but I'm already filled. Amen, brother and sister. Be filled some more. There's more. There's more. Have you seen it all? I sure haven't. How about this in Acts 11, 11 through 12 and 15 through 16. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at his, at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. This is when, when Peter was having a vision. And it says, uh, the spirit told me to go with them without hesitation. Then in verse 15, it says, and as I began to speak, once he got to Cornelius's house, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it as He did upon us at the beginning, referring to the day of Pentecost, right? So the Spirit fell on the people of God. Oh, that's so good, man. We need some of that, friends. We're scratching the surface, man. And I feel like He's saying, come on. Are you longing for me the way I'm longing for you? Because the only vessel he'll fill is a hungry one. He might interrupt a stray vessel. He will. Ask Paul. (laughs) Or any of us when we were walking toward our selfish desires in the world. And the Spirit of God convicted us of our sin. And opened our eyes to the beauty of the salvation that we needed. And instead of just seeing Jesus as Savior, we saw Him as Lord and now our lives are never the same. He will, inter- he will arrest you. He will interrupt your life, friend. But He only fills those who are hungry. May this message stir up our appetite for God. And it says this, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as He did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, 
how He used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in this passage, the, the Bible says that the Spirit of God speaks to you. There are times when He falls on you. Um, I remember one time, oh, this was so awesome. You know, sometimes it's good to just recall the times when God just apprehended your life. Jesus said this. He said, if you drink from this well, you will never thirst again. I believe that every encounter that we had with the Lord that was sincere and genuine, if we fix our attention to remember that account, that we can dive right back in and drink from that well. I believe it because I have experienced it. And because Jesus said, if you drink from this well, you'll never thirst again. We shouldn't be thirsty in the wrong sense. We should long for more of Him, but we shouldn't be parched as though there's nothing to drink, friends. Because how many of us have had countless experiences with the Spirit of God? And I remember a time driving from my, uh, my little apartment in Pensacola, Florida on my way to a prayer meeting. And I was driving with a friend of mine. And it was like we ran into a wall of angels. We hit a wall of glory that, I mean, I literally was so undone by the Spirit of God that I had to pull off the road into a parking lot to allow the Lord to do what He was doing in my life until 30 to 45 minutes later I could actually come to my senses and drive again. I was on the road and I was drinking while I was driving. But I was drinking of the wine He says is okay. And I was drinking deeply. I was worshiping God on my way to a prayer meeting. And boom! The Spirit of God fell in my car. And my friend and I were unstinking done by Him. Oh, to God that we would experience more of that. Especially the young kids in this room. Oh, but it's not about experience, brother. Tell that to Paul who prayed in Ephesians 3 that you would know the love of Christ. This surpasses knowledge. God forbid that this thing only becomes about head knowledge. We need to encounter Him. And I don't know about you, but I love it when He shows up like that. I was undone that day. I couldn't even drive. I couldn't even drive. Let me tell you something, friend. I want to walk all over these pews right now. I used to do drugs like a maniac. I drank so much booze with pills. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I would get out of my head sick drunk. But when I tasted of the great Holy Ghost coming up in my car that stinky day, I was undone like no drug will ever touch a man. I'm telling you there's more. Spirit of God, jealously, let that word be emphasized. He jealously longs to dwell in His people. Do you hear what He's saying to me? I feel so deep He wants us, man. But do we want Him? Do we want Him more than Facebook? Do we want Him more than sports? Do we want Him more than television? Do we... And he longs. And the Bible says the Spirit of God searches to and fro. 
looking for those that he can call his own. My paraphrase. He's looking for the faithful ones. Because the Spirit of God is yearning to dwell in his people. And he's cultivating a wineskin as our friend. And he wants to restore his glory to his church. That progressive revelation, God to man, he revealed his glory to Adam and Eve in the garden. Spirit would come. He revealed his glory to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the, the patriarch season. He revealed his glory to Moses and to David in the, in the tent of the meeting, in the tent temple. And now he revealed his glory in you and me. He's in us. But are we tapping into that? That's the question. Or are we being numbed by the seductions of our age? And I don't care how old you are. He is no respecter of age or person. I don't care if you're the youngest among us. He wants to reside in you, my friend. He wants to prophesy through your lips. He wants the character of Christ to be lived out through your life, among your peers, and among your siblings. It's what He longs for. Because you are His temple sanctified by the precious blood of our Messiah. I'm telling you, listen to this. So He speaks. He falls. How about this one? He can be pleased by you. That's a glorious verse. Listen to this. The one who sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. You know there's pleasure when you live in the flesh? What do you think the draw is? That's half the battle right there. Is realizing that, okay, if I put this pleasure down, i got a better one over here. But sometimes it doesn't come instantaneously. Hello! Sometimes you have to surrender and wait and seek and, 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 and let that appetite for the things that are holy go deep. But I'm telling you, as a man who used to be possessed by devils and intoxicated by everything the world could throw at you, that the world has nothing on our spirit of God. Nothing, 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 nothing. So the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction, but the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So this passage shows us that as we relate to Him and we sow things into the Spirit, that we reap. In other words, He can produce fruit in your life. And He will produce fruit through your life. He's a fruit producer. He is. And He's darn good at it. And I'm grateful for it. Because I am am thankful that He didn't leave me back here 
you know, as just this infantile believer who, who, you know, struggled along in every facet and dynamic of Christianity. You know, now thank God I'm growing up a little bit because he's producing more and more fruit. The more I'm like, God, I need you. The more he's like, okay, fills you up, speaks to your heart through his word. He's building you. He builds us. And he, he, he plants holy seed in us so that we can live out this gospel. And he produces fruit in and through our lives. How about this one? We're talking about the personality and the person of the Spirit of God right now, okay? Just to remind us. How about this one? Ephesians 3, or 4, um, 29 and 30. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that gives grace to the hearer. Right? Or one, one version says, but only such a word as is good for edification or building. That's a good verse for kids in a family to learn. And for husbands and wives. Being real, baby. We have to cultivate a culture of holy speech, righteous speech. I'm serious about this. Because look what follows. No unwholesome word. Now when he says unwholesome, he's not just talking about cuss words, my friend. He's talking about anything that doesn't build. So our sarcasm, our little jabs, our critical, you know, words that we speak in gossip and slander. It's not just, well, I took the Lord's name in vain. That's unwholesome. No, it's anything that doesn't edify. I mean, the context here. But only such a word as gives, as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The very next verse. Don't grieve Him. It's not a suggestion, friends. It's a command. Don't grieve Him. Later on, we're going to see in a minute, Paul instructs the church at Corinth, He says, I wish that you all would prophesy. Why? Because that builds. Notice how much Paul emphasizes our tongue. You know, when I used to go to the clubs and drink, I'd be boo, 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 just uh, whatever. You know, you get a few beers and you, you get all kind of courage. You say anything, you say anything to anybody. You know why there's a lot of people who don't preach the gospel? Or stand up for what's right. Because there's a lot of people in God's house that aren't filled with the Spirit. Drinking and getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking about flakiness. I'm talking about genuinely full of God's Spirit. And we have the boldness and the courage to speak what needs to be said. So he can be grieved. The person of God, the Holy Spirit, can be grieved. How about this one? 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 15 through 22 says, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then he says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. He can be quenched. 
Remember, remember I told you that when I would sit and the fire of God would start to burn in my spirit? He could be quenched. You know what the antidote to that which quenches the spirit is? Well, let's see what Paul says. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. You want to stir up the fire of God? Live like that. It's so practical, and yet we make it so ethereal. Like it's this thing that one day we'll, we'll, you know, attain it. We can do this now. He's saying, let's go. Let's go deeper. Let's do this. Here's another way we can cultivate our relationship with God the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. And I'm not just talking about although if that's the tongue you have right now, then use it. I'm talking, let's go deeper. I'm talking about praying in other languages. I'm talking about exploring the depths of the Spirit of God in tongues in a way that we haven't before. Well, that sounds foolish. Right on. Right on. And if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gift of tongues, we're going to pray for you today and I'm believing God's going to fill some folks in this place with tongues. With the Spirit of God and the manifestation of tongues because we need that gift. We need that gift of tongues. We need it. There are times in our lives when we just don't know how to pray. And the Spirit of God, when we give ourselves to Him in tongues, we are praying His will. The Bible says that Jesus Christ offered Himself up to God the Father through the eternal Spirit. There's times when I don't even know how to pray, but all I do is bring my tongues offering because it's all I have. That's it. I'm wrung out by the circumstances or by the situation. I don't even know what to think, let alone pray. Oh, God, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Do you hear me? I'm telling you, pray in the Holy Ghost. There's times when I'm driving down the road and I got, I'm just, I'm not even focused on God, but I'm praying in tongues, man. I got a million things because I'm running a business on my mind and I'm thinking about, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that. You know what? You can do this. You can do this with a job. You can do this raising kids. You can do this being a sibling. Or being somebody who's supporting a family or supporting a community church. You can do this. We need to stop making excuses for why we don't have time. Or why we don't do what we're supposed to do. He's calling us deeper. So it says in Jude 20 and 21, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. You know, one of the things, a lot of times we we stop praying in the Holy Spirit. But Jude says to keep yourself in the love of God as well. One of the things I practice in my own time with the Lord 
is a lot of times when I'm praying in tongues, I'm fixing my attention on His love for me. I look at the cross. I think about my testimony and how He came to me when I was His enemy. I wasn't just a lost sinner. I was an enemy. And I'm praying in tongues thinking about how I was leading other people away from God. And it was then that He came and revealed His love to me. And I'm praying in tongues, keeping myself in the love of God. And you know what I'm doing? Building myself to be strong and to persevere in this journey and in this battle. Because I'm telling you, friends, it is a battle. So, you know, our spirit was designed to rule over our flesh and our soul. So if we don't spend time meditating on Scripture and feeding our spirit man, praying, worshiping, and praying in the Holy Ghost, and and, and communing with Him, then our flesh and our emotions will rule us. They will rule us. You can't spend three hours a day on social media and on video games and in front of a TV and spend ten minutes a day in your Bible and think you're going to be a successful believer. You will get knocked to and fro when the time comes, when the battle comes against you. I can promise you that. And I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. I'm saying that because God has given us priorities and it's high time we get them straight. The battle's raging, friends, and it's raging whether we're equipped, whether we are giving ourselves to be equipped, or whether we're just numbing ourselves to the reality of it. It's there. And we can hide for so long, it's going to touch you eventually. Life will touch you in ways you did not expect eventually. And see, these things I'm saying, that the Spirit of God is saying, that He wants to dwell in, listen, He wants to dwell in you because He wants you to be equipped. Because when you face life's trials head on and He's in you, it has a whole different effect on your life than when you're over here playing games, literally or not, playing games and all of a sudden, bam, that sucker hits you. I've seen people get taken out. Too many. Too many. Get taken out. Because they don't take it seriously. So we need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. How about this one? It's another way we can love God well and cultivate our love for God by loving others. Isn't that what the Bible says in 1 John? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I love the way John just, he's just... He just lays it out there, man. Reminds me of James or Jacob. Like, those guys are pretty hardcore. For one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also love his brother. I'm going to move down through some of these verses. Okay, so another way that the Spirit of God is, another role of the Spirit of God in us is to help build His church. 
Right? So as we relate to Him, He puts things in us that then not just builds us, but then builds others. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5, through Paul says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I love that, man. I love that. When Paul came to a community and carved out and pioneered a new work, he didn't come with persuasive words. He came with demonstration. You know, you guys, we, we, it's like, how many times have we seen God demonstrate Himself in our midst? I can just recently, you know, we've, our, our house church, we do a, a prayer chain on, through text. People are constantly you know, asking for prayer and giving praise reports. And I don't know how many times God has supernaturally moved through that little text prayer chain, man. Thank God for that thing. Because God's people are taking the burdens of others seriously and they're loving them well through prayer and God's moving. That's an awesome testimony. We just had a couple recently. Thank God for that. But there's more. God's calling us to love each other well. And I believe we do that well. I just think He's calling us deeper. How about this? 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 and verse 4. I just want to communicate what it looks like to build. To be builders, okay? Look, look, in, in, a, in a church setting. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. And then in verse four, or in verse 12, he says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So it's great that God's manifesting through the gifts, is what Paul's saying. Because that church, the Bible says at the beginning, they lacked in no gift. They saw all the gifts of the Spirit operating in their midst. But they were off in a lot of ways too. But what he says here is if, as of yourselves, he said that you're earnestly desiring these gifts, then desire to use them to build. Because you know you can use God's gifts in a way that's not building, in a way that's propping you up to be God's or uh, man or woman of power for the hour. You might have a genuine gift. But we can use them selfishly. Which is why he starts it out with pursue love, yet earnestly desire. So we are called to build. That's the role of the Spirit of God taking a possession, taking up possession in our lives. He he earnestly longs, he yearns, and jealously longs to dwell in us. Why? So that we can build his house co-labor with Him to love people around us and to use the gifts of the Spirit to build others' lives. 
1 Corinthians 14, 26. What is the outcome then, brothers? When you assemble, let each one have a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building one another up. You know, this is, I'm speaking things that we all are aware of. We practice this stuff. Let's go deeper. When we spend time in secret, cultivating our relationship with God, and we, with God the Holy Spirit, and we let Him rest on us and take possession of us, when we come into those church meetings, we have something genuine to, to, to give that builds God's house. And there's no one exempt. Every one of us can be used by God in that way. So, I want to read this. This is a little excerpt out of something I read in a John G. Lake book. And then I want to, I want to stand together in a minute and we're going to, we're going to pray. But listen to what, listen to what he says. Again, I feel like God is calling us deeper. I feel like, so what does that mean? Well, it means different things for each one of us. You know, I talked about, um, several things. There's different things we can apply out of this message. Cultivating uh, the way we meditate on God's love for us. The way we look and see God's love for us so that we can respond accordingly. Uh, focusing our attention on the fact, the truth, that the spirit of adoption rests inside of us and He's testifying to us that we are His children. That helps you to love Him well and others well because you see who you are and then you live accordingly. Cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit by praying in tongues, right? By building ourselves up. Cultivate our relationship with the Spirit of God by just recognizing Him as one of the persons of the Godhead who has a personality and is intimately involved in each of our lives. These are some of the ways we can practically apply what I'm saying to you guys, right? Well, this is how God's calling us deeper. These are some of the things that we, that He's asking us to do, right? Listen to this. When we go to a school, we see classes arranged for every grade. I was talking to a young school teacher who teaches out out in the country in a little public school. And I said, how many children do you have in your school? She said, well, we have eight grades. Fifteen scholars divided into eight grades. So they have 15 kids in each class divided by eight grades. Or There's 15 in each of the eight. Then John G. Lake turns to the church and he says, The Christian church is God's big schoolhouse. What student in the eighth grade would think of saying to a child learning their ABCs, You don't have anything yet. Why don't you have the eighth grade understanding? Well, in due time, that child will have it. That is the reason the student doesn't say it. It's because he knows the child will have it one day. One day that boy will understand just the same as the 8th grader does. Now listen to this. A weak Christianity always wants to drop to the imperfect. To adjust itself to the popular mind. Oh golly gee, Beef, doesn't that sound familiar? You look at God's church, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm saying, how often does the world's system and the polluted world's spirit 
creep up in God's house and pull weak Christians down to its level. It happens all over our culture. Christian schools, Christian churches, it happens everywhere. And again, I'm not being critical. I'm pointing out the facts. God's calling us deeper. And there's a reason. Because He didn't intend us to go down with them. He intends us to live strong in that perseverance through the battle so that when they see us go through it, we can lift them up out of their muck and mire into a glorious life as a contractor. Ha! Thank you, Jesus. And I mean that with all sincerity. As a homeschool mom, as a student, as a worker or a co-worker, it doesn't matter. We have need of endurance, friends. And the Spirit of God is calling us because He longs to dwell in us, to give us strength, and to give us glory. He's restoring His glory to His house. But He says this, But a real Christianity ever seeks to be made perfect or mature in God, both in character and in gifts. A real Christian seeks ever, seeks ever to be made mature in God, both in character and in gifts. Let's stand. Would you guys come up? Yeah. No, just you and Joel, probably. Let's just fix our hearts on the Lord. We're going to pray. We've got some time. We've got a little bit of time. So I just want to pray. So let's just, let's just begin to give our attention to the Lord. Let's not be distracted. You know, the Lord... I believe the Lord is speaking and I believe that we believe that. And I just want to give people a chance to respond. He's calling us deeper, guys. He's calling us deeper in character. He's calling us deeper in power. He's calling us deeper in our quality of life, our quality of time that we spend with Him. He's calling us deeper in the way that we put away distractions and that we take on more of our responsibility as children of God. He's calling us deeper. He jealously longs to dwell in us. So I'm not going to make this awkward. Listen, I want if I just I just want to give you an opportunity. If God put His finger on something in your life that you want to just talk to Him about, I want to invite you to the altar. We don't do this often. A lot of times we end just with a prayer, but I feel like the Spirit of God is doing something and He wants to do something specific in people's lives. And so let's do that. If, if the Lord touched you in a way. That, he's, that you feel the call to go deeper, but something stands in the way, whether it's a relational hindrance, whether it's something with your time, whether it's just whatever it is. I mean, let Him speak. We're going to wait on Him. 
And I just ask that you come up to the front and just commune with Him. You say, well, I can just sit here in my seat and commune with Him. Yeah, that's true. But sometimes it's good to take a bold step out and to show God you mean business in spite of our pride and in spite of what other people think. Nine times out of ten, that's half the problem. We live our lives self-conscious instead of God-conscious. So let's give ourselves to Him afresh and anew today. Settle on you. 
Father, fill your house with your glory. Fill your house with your glory, Jesus. Lord, we call out to you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that we are your temple, your dwelling place. We are the place that you long to take up a residence. Now fill us, oh God, fresh and anew, with holy fire. Consume our lives, Lord. Take possession of our thoughts, of our emotions, of our bodies, of our spirits. Take possession, oh Oh, God. 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 Oh,